But next up, you know, I want to introduce, um, you know, our, our, the 98 uh, economists and researchers who said uh, that the sub- supplementary budget uh, that was tabled by the Minister of Finance uh, last week, reneges on the President's COVID rescue plan. And and on the line we have this uh, tonight, uh, uh, Dick Forsland, who is an economist and researcher at Alternative Information and Development Centre. Good evening, Dick. Good evening, good evening. How are you, Dr. Forsland? No, it's fine. We just came from a debate uh that uh, was organized by AIDC and Rosa Luxemburg by the, with the deputy finance ministers yes. and uh, five, six, uh, six respondents asking him questions this afternoon. Yeah, it seems like you were not entirely satisfied with the outcome of the budget. <laughs> there was tables, if that's putting it mildly. No, no, exactly, putting it mildly. No, there's so far, well, this afternoon it was, or this, by lunchtime it was 98 signatories of an appeal to the MPs to not to vote down the budget uh, and uh, it can't be accepted and I think that more people will will uh, join this appeal and uh, I don't know if this budget has to be taken to the constitutional court in fact because uh, as it says in this uh, open letter or this appeal to the MPs uh, if they adopt this then uh, they can't they are not close to to sort of being what the constitution demands of them of trying to fulfill human and social rights and so on. Yeah, you can't you can't kind of cut in uh, basic education, for example, now by by uh, well, 2.8 billion rands as they did in this supplementary budget. And I mean, in the discussion with the deputy finance minister today, David Masondo, he kind of admitted. I don't know if it was in the heat of the debate, but he kind of admitted that they hadn't considered all alternatives to finance the debt service or finance budget deficits and so on. And that is what this discussion partly is about, sort of how alternative ways of financing this. Right. From wealth tax to to sort of uh, uh, borrowing money from funds that are the government's disposal. And even to some extent, even if that has become kind of a discussion of doing it or not doing it, but right. to some extent also uh, using the Reserve Bank and the Reserve Bank's right, right, right of the Reserve Bank to put new money into the economy right. at the disposal of the government. So all this is, you know, is a discuss- discussion in series right now. Yeah, I just want to raise two questions and, and just remind our, yeah. our listeners uh, that, that you can, we'd like you to, to participate on this a very important issue. Call us at 21 Drop us a WhatsApp message at 0725671567. We want to hear from you. Now, Dr. Forsland, what you just said raised two, two questions. Uh, the one is, it's, it's important, but it's not immediately relevant. But I just thought I'd flag it. Yeah. And in future, we can use it. You, you mentioned going to the, to the, the constitutional court. Yeah. I've, what I've noticed in South Africa is is actually something I've noticed, especially in the United States, but in South Africa is the the um, is the turn to the courts to settle political issues. So it's the yeah. judicialization of politics, and that's not necessarily a good thing. But as I said, that's a quite a separate, quite a separate issue. The second question is, do these extraordinary times that we live in, 
do they not call for extraordinary measures, extraordinary budgetary processes? Yeah, um, yeah, I think so. And uh, when, it, when it comes to the budgetary process, one of the demands in this letter now, one of the questions to the Treasury was that how will the public participation be now up until the midterm budget in October? Because that is when the finance minister is says that they will announce new cuts. So will there be any openness, any, any discussion about it? Uh, so that's one thing. No, it's, I mean, this about going to the, the court. If the, if the governing party seems to be even breaking the law by not considering alternatives and so on, then maybe it's the only thing to do. If not for other reasons to, to break the hegemony in the discussion uh, in the media about, I mean, in many media now, uh, the finance minister seems to be a hero or a truth teller and so on. Right. And I mean, that is not the opinion among a lot of economists. Uh, people are saying that he is applying a macroeconomic policy that was kind of uh, regarded as, uh, as the best of the best in the 1950s or something, or 1940s. Right. But uh, it, it is not the ruling paradigm now. And, and uh, so that is why his policy now is questioned, not the least because people are going hungry, as you know. And, and there's a sort of devastating unemployment crisis coming even further, uh, sort of from the point we already are. So then, uh, then you have to do something. You have to fight with the tools that are at your disposal, so to speak. In, in what way does the budget, does the budget uh, uh, quote-unquote, betray the rescue package announced by the president? Yeah, well, the, I think it was a kind of diplomatic way of putting it also in the in the letter because if you remember, uh, it was already put by some economists when the rescue back packet was announced that this isn't really 500 billion rand of of new money. Sort of, this is only 36 or 45. People came to different kind of conclusions, but. Uh, Duma Kovilis, he was one of them who pointed out that this is only a package of 36 billion rand. The rest is reallocations in, within the budget, or it is postponement, postponements of tax uh, uh, tax payments that local business has to do and so on. And uh, now this was repeated in this open letter. So I think it, it, uh, this is a way of putting it to the MPs. It seems but like the, well, what you're suggesting yeah. is it's all smoke and mirrors. Say it again, please. What you're suggesting is it, it's all smoke and mirrors. Because you mentioned yeah, Dumat Kobul. Yeah, he, 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 he went out already. when He went out in an analysis uh, already when the package was announced and say that this is not 500 billion rand of new money to, into the economy. It's only 35, 40 billion rand. So it's kind of less than 2% of GDP. And that is usually how you measures these packages and i mean one rule of thumb is usually that if you expect a downturn of the economy of let's say 10 percent of, of gdp that the production of goods and services will go down with 10 percent of, of, of the gross domestic product well then you try to put in an extra 10 percent of money so to speak in the economy and that is what has been done now by many other countries and i mean 
there's many countries, also developing countries, which are going to really what they think are extraordinary measures. So I, I read, for example, about Indonesia, who even in the constitution, mm-hmm. which is a bit stupid, but in the constitution, they have this rule that you can't have more than a budget deficit of 3%. I mean, I don't think it's a good thing to have in the constitution, but they have had it. But now they feel that they have to break this. Uh, right. They have to break with the constitution because they can't let mass unemployment just kind of reach around the, the, the country. So I think that these are things that, but I mean, the, the moral high ground now has never been better for the government if it would make society to start to discuss a wealth tax, for example, uh, among the 1% richest individuals in the economy. They could start in this year just by asking people who are sort of belonging to these 350, 360,000 very wealthy individuals in South Africa. You have to declare their wealth in the in the tax returns now. And then you can sort of to put it on the public agenda. Or they could start to withdraw some of the medical aid tax credits. Because otherwise, if you don't do that, then you can never go to national health insurance. But I mean, that has been... I don't know when the national health insurance will be implemented now. Right. I mean, the, the cuts which was which is proposed now, it was 160 billion rand um, in February, and now the finance ministry is speaking about another 230 billion rand in addition uh, over two years. And you can't do that uh, if you are not sort of uh, retrenching or sort of decreasing employment in the public sector with maybe 100,000, maybe 150,000 jobs. Yeah. And then you have the situation in the health sector, which everybody, is, even the presidency, have acknowledged that you have 40,000, 38,000 vacancies in the public health sector. And now we see what this results in when we are met with, by such a crisis. So that is what you are talking about when right. we are saying that, that they, they are not complying with, with, the, with the, the, what, what the constitution demands of the government, of trying I, to, yeah, try to maneuver as best as possible in such a situation. They are just going to IMF. And it's right. not necessary in this situation. I, you know, pick, I've I've been following the work and the ideas of Kumar Kabule Duma Kabule for a while, and um, I'm not sure. I haven't looked at the, um, the 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 list, and I'm sure people like Patrick Bond is on there too. Um, what what would you th- what would you you know what, what came out of what you just said is, I, I I think there's a suggestion that we should print money. Yeah, there's always so. So one suggestion, besides taxing the rich, besides borrowing cheaper money from the unemployment insurance fund or the state pension system, one measure that many countries is doing now, which you can do if you don't do it too much, and that's why also it's allowed. It's it, it's allowed for in the South African Bank Reserve Bank Act, the the law that is guiding the Reserve Bank. You can do it to some extent, and it's kind of it, it, it's related to the reserves of the, the liabilities and the and the possessions, uh, the, the the reserves that the reserve bank is is uh, commanding. Right. And then you can do it. I mean, last year, if you look at the balance sheet of the reserve bank, well, they can then create new money to the extent of over two hundred billion rand. That would be allowed for in the. And the reason why this is in the act is, of course, that you allow for 
to have an extraordinary measure in, in an extraordinary situation. But yeah. I mean, the, the economy is constantly growing. Right. So the reserve banks is always, together with the commercial banks, they are always increasing the amount of money a little by little by little every year. Normally, when it is kind of like a growing economy, it's just that you can do it a little more if you are ha- heading for a depression. And mm-hmm. that is what many countries are doing right now. Right. One of, the, a, one of the yeah. things that, in, you know, that I've, I've looked at myself is that the quantitative e- easing, especially in the United States, has benefited mainly the elites. Um, now, forget about, yeah. you know, there's, on, the, on the one hand, there's the argument that, you know, it'll just increase inflation and, you know, we yeah. could go down the route. I'm, I'm not uh, being sort of, I don't resort to catastrophism um no, no. you know and sort of the zimbabwe uh, scenario let's let's stop long before that but mm. don't we face the danger then of let just letting inflation run wild yeah there's there's always there's always a danger of course if you do it too much right. and you would do it too much if you wouldn't consider other things of drawing back money into the public sector for example by imp- imposing a wealth tax on the the discussion has been to to have a wealth tax of people who have financial uh, assets of over 3.5 million rand. Then you should start with having a 1% tax for them and then maybe over 10 million rand in financial wealth. Well, then you have a 2% tax on that. So that has been a discussion. So so So, this is a gradual taxation on the the wealth. Yeah, it's a gradual. It's kind of like a progressive wealth tax. Progressive, gradual wealth tax. But but, But so you can't, you can't uh, do it too much. You have to watch over sort of uh, if if uh, if inflation is running away. So 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 that is why there's a limit to what you can do. Yep. But you can do it a little. You can do it. So when the Reserve Bank governor is speaking, you can't print one trillion rand or five hundred billion rand or so. No, that's probably true. Yeah. But you can't. You can replace, for example, the IMF loan of 125 billion rand. I'm sure you can replace this with with money directly directly lent from the Reserve Bank to the government with no repayment uh, conditions at all, because the inflation is the lowest in, as it has been in 14 years, and it's because of the lockdown and all that. It's, below 3% inflation now. Yeah, I want to just, uh, before I let you go, make two two points. Um, you, you're absolutely right in the sense that if you do print money, you have to be careful. You have to, It has to be carefully managed so it goes yeah. uh, to the right places. And then the other is evidence has shown also that, you know, 10, 15% inflation, uh, you know, is, has, not, has not destroyed countries uh, and I, I'm looking specifically at countries in Southeast Asia. You know, of course, they've, no. they've got, you know, they've kept inflation low, but, you know, higher inflation has not destroyed their economies or their no, countries. No, I, I mean, we have a very restrictive, or the, the 3.5 to 6% of the target that right. it is restrictive. You could live with 8, 10, 12% inflation. And for the working class, as you know, it's always a problem always. that the headline inflation is not really reflecting the the living costs of a, of a middle class or working class family who is spending most of their money on food and so on. So, so it's always a problem with this general measure of inflation.
So, so you can do that. But if you think that inflation is running away too much, you have made a mistake. So you have been printing too much money, for example. Well, then you have to increase interest rates again. Or you have to withdraw. There are also methods from the, from the Reserve Bank to withdraw money into its coffer again uh, by, uh, yeah, by, by selling bonds, selling the bonds that they have bought. If they sell bonds and then they get payments for the government, but they tell the government, now you must buy these bonds from us again, then the, the government pay the bonds to the Reserve Bank, and then the Reserve Bank just sits on them. Uh, then they have sort of withdrawn money from the economy. So it's kind of like a ebb and flow gain, kind of. That's correct. Uh, but you are, yeah, you, are definite, yeah, you, are, you are definitely not sort of uh, trying to pull, pull off austerity in a situation where the economy is, is kind of maybe will, will decrease with 10% or 12% and so on. And that is what the Reserve Bank is doing right now. And that is why I think as AIDC, we would support the suggestion to, to, to take the government to the constitutional Thank court. You. Thank if you very much. Other reason, if not for other reasons, to have a debate about this austerity policy. Thank you very much, Dr. Forsland, for a very, very important contribution this evening. Uh, I appreciate it.